0: Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under 18 or anyone who thinks a cheeky orgasm is a cocktail. I'm
1: ahead of the game. (laughs)
0: Hello, all. Welcome back to the Smut Drop. This is, as if you didn't know, a weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be discovering what cookie jarring is, chatting to Kate Moyle for some climactic tips for National Orgasm Day, and finding out what stopped you from reaching full satisfaction with your ruined orgasm story. And I hope you're ready because I'm nearly there! Hello, all! Okay, quick question. Do you think you have ever been cookie jarred when it comes to dating? No, this doesn't mean that someone stuck their fist in you. It's actually what happens when you felt more, more like you've been an option rather than a choice. Aidan Milan has been chatting to relationship experts about cookie jarring over at metro.co.uk. And Annabelle Knight from Love Honey says that it's the act of leading someone to believe that the connection you both share is going to lead to a relationship, whilst they know perfectly well that it won't. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Some blighter says, oh, I really like you. You're so special. I think we're made for each other, only to keep you on the hook for months and months without any real commitment, all at the same time saying this exact thing to other people. (laughs) Yeah, I may have had one or two experiences of this. But it goes deeper than lip service. So uh, the term implies that the Jara will never go hungry thanks to a supply of cookies at their disposal. <gasps> What a cat. Matches dating expert, Hayley Quinn, calls the trend tactical and nasty because it is. It involves keeping the people in your cookie jar under the impression that there can be something more serious on the cards rather than just being upfront about where your head is. It ultimately signifies that they're not ready or they're not interested. So is there anything you can do to protect yourselves? Counselling directory member, Karen Schumann, advises that you need to be clear about what you want Ask for honesty. And if your feelings start to develop, then this is the time to ask whether they are seeing anyone else or have in your mind how you feel about that. And it's all about good, clear communication and setting expectations when you get to know someone, just so you can, you know, make sure you don't feel quite as betrayed and rejected. Oh. <laughs> Laura Echevera says that people might do this out of ego insecurity. So if you're feeling like you've been cookie jarred, then I think you can rest knowing that ultimately they were never a keeper because they were never ready for a committed relationship in the first place. Plus, this behaviour always creates trust issues. So rather than ending up with a jar full of cookies, I bet you 10 out of 10, they're going to end up hungry and unfulfilled. But you know who won't be left unfulfilled? You, my darling listener, especially after we chat to this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, with National Orgasm Day nipping at our heels, I have no doubt that this week's guest is going to leave you fully satisfied. She's a psychosexual and relationship therapist who is an expert in helping people swim through the stresses of modern life to reach a place of sexual health, happiness and well-being. You might have seen her on bbc Three's Sex on the Couch, heard her on the Sexual Wellness Sessions podcast. I am delighted to welcome Kate Moyle, hello Kate
1: thank you hi what an intro I mean I feel like I need you to just follow me around and introduce me <laughs> every possible occasion <laughs> You're doing a better job than I do of myself.
0: Uh, I, honestly, it's so great being able to do the intros because I can have weeks and weeks to think about them, put you all in a very nice sort of like subspace, and then I can fuck up the rest of the interview. It doesn't matter what happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you're giving the guy from X Factor a run for money.
0: <laughs> that's my next job. That's so straight. Yes, yes, I'll be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's my first question. What the fuck is a psychosexual therapist? I
1: think that's what my parents thought as well
0: what is it what do you do where do you come from That, that is
1: the big question isn't it um for me so a psychosexual therapist is basically a talking therapist whether you refer to it as counseling therapy psychotherapy that specializes in working with sexual problems so it's a kind of specialist branch niche of psychotherapy so it is just talking completely kind of hands off. There's no physical contact between me and my clients, but it might involve clients going home with more physical homeworks or exercises or things for them to try. But really the sign above the door, and this is what I always say is it's okay to talk about sex here. And I think that a lot of people really struggle with knowing where to go and get help on these topics and it's kind of blatantly clear and obvious that psychosexual therapy is the place for that. And that could be anything from sexual trauma, to um, anxieties or worries about sex, to fears about sex, to lack of desire, to someone struggling with their sexual relationship with their body, people's questions around their sexuality, whether it's sexual dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, conditions like vaginismus, sexual pain conditions... Really anything and everything to do with sex.
0: I don't know whether I can ask you this without it being some kind of patient therapist privilege, but what are the the most common things that people are coming to see you for?
1: For me, the most common thing that I see is some kind of anxiety or worry about sex creating some kind of sexual difficulty. So a lot of the work that I do is around sexual dysfunction so that's things like erectile dysfunction, difficulties with ejaculation, difficulties with orgasm, sexual pain, vaginismus. So re- really, that's probably my the majority of the work that I do. And then we untangle that. And there is a lot that comes through people's histories, um, their sexual experiences, how they think and feel about sex, how they learnt about sex. And obviously, a small section of that will be people who have had surgeries or been on medications or have had a physical injury or cancer but i would would really emphasize that the majority of what i'm dealing with is people's psychology negatively impacting their sex life
0: now this is definitely something that i want to talk to you about because like i mentioned we do have national orgasm day coming up and one of the things that is becoming very clear the more people that i speak to is that especially for women a lot don't there's the orgasm gap so you've got a lot of guys that are orgasming um, whilst women are not but then you've also got uh, women or people with female body that that don't know if they've had an orgasm Mm. so is it something within their mind that that, that is stopping them
1: yeah I think a colleague of mine actually wrote a book called the orgasm prescription and she always phrased it as that people are not an orgasmic, but pre-orgasmic, mm. and so that they hadn't learnt how to orgasm. And I was always really fascinated by how she described that. Her name's Andrea Pennington, and I think that particularly for women, we see orgasm can be like a learned response. So we learn how to get to the point of orgasm, and then it's something that we can repeat or feel. At least I think there's a lot to do with body knowledge in that, mm. and. There's a huge amount of shame that holds people back when it comes to sexual pleasure, both hmm. men and women.
0: What kind of things would you say to someone to to help them if they're you know if, they, if their mind is blocking them from orgasming, what kind of things can they they do to help? Or is that just a really simple question?
1: <laughs> no, 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 I think it's about I think getting to know yourself first, identifying what you think it is hmm. that might be blocking you is a really good thing and we're in this really amazing time where there are some great sexual wellness products and apps and there's so much awareness around the fact that this isn't if we're talking particularly about female orgasm which was always discussed as more complicated or trickier which was a way of indicating that actually we should just accept that it might not happen for you and that narrative has always been quite ingrained I think into our messaging about sex and so it was like you know it's it's a bit more complicated it's a bit tricky so if it doesn't happen for you that just might be why and I think now we have a real pushback against.
0: I've never thought about it that way but yeah
1: Mm. when you think
0: about all the messaging that's going out there the clitoris it's really hard to find the g-spot it's right up there but you have to like you know make your fingers into little origami puppets <laughs> all this messaging and it's 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 it's, quite, it, it's very simple like yeah uh, yeah I never thought.
1: I think I think that's one of the things I talk about a lot and people say but that sounds so simple can it really be that and I think actually it is a lot of the time when we break it down you know we're taught about sex in not a very positive mm. way therefore it's framed in our lives as a not very positive thing unless you're doing it a very mm. certain way and that leaves a lot of us thinking, okay, well, there's something wrong with me. Combat that with the lack of it being in general conversation and it being quite stigmatized and it's quite taboo. And a lot of people, a huge, I wouldn't even know what a percentage would be, but I would love to do a piece of research, but says then that people are left with this feeling of I'm not normal or I'm broken or I'm the weird one or I you know, don't fit or my desires don't fit basically sex and shame, this kind of really unhappy marriage. And instead of sex being something that makes people feel Mm. good, it leaves a lot of people thinking that it's something that doesn't make them feel good or makes them feel shame, which is, you know, a really limiting feeling.
0: What are some of the biggest myths that you've heard from people about orgasms?
1: For lots of people, particularly early in their sex lives, they were told that it was in some way like slutty or in some way that women shouldn't enjoy sex mm. too much you know and we see these myths you know we see them for men as well that men have to last a certain amount of time or have to hold off for a certain amount of time in, to- in order to kind of create a certain level of pleasure yeah. And but-
0: they really don't we've got shit to do come on lad
1: oh, <laughs> no. I mean the big one obviously is that sex has to involve penetration in order to achieve orgasm and this is where we see the orgasm gap come in and actually even just thinking about how we phrase things language foreplay Mm. indicates that it's something that has to come before something else it's kind of like the starter to the main course and actually non-penetrative sex is how a lot of people irrespective of gender bodies experience enjoy themselves and get sexual pleasure but Mm. we kind of denote it in a way which makes it seem lesser. And that's even just in the language that we use.
0: What can be some of the, the biggest barriers that people have towards reaching a climax?
1: The biggest barriers, I think, for people are how they feel about sex. Fear of letting go is a massive one. Mm. And I think that, again, that can be everything from feeling self-conscious to how they might look when they orgasm or that, fear of vulnerability or that fear of letting go and you know psychologically that can be quite a big thing for people Mm. then I think that there is also that shame like a lot of people also are really distracted by their thoughts Mm. and we see that that's a distraction is a massive inhibitor of both desire and arousal and we live in a really really distracting world and that Mm. I talk to a lot of people about this idea of switching off to turn on. It's really hard. And I think we saw that massively in COVID, when people had no context shift, they were in their bedrooms, you know, working, parenting, coupling, all in the same space. And then they were expected just to switch from one setting into another. And that really really showed up for people
0: and that's still going on isn't it to you know people are still working from home and it's it's become part of the well it's just become part of the world hasn't it so it can still be hard to switch from oh I'm in work mode to Let's Get Sexy, which is the the technical term for it, as I'm sure you will agree. As a...
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of textbooks that are under the title Let's Get Sexy. <laughs> 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 I might actually write one. I feel like, you know, you'll get the credit for it. Go
0: obviously. for it. Oh, God. Got, <laughs> someone's got to do it. Someone's going
1: to do it, but yes. we can
0: collaborate. <laughs> well, I've certainly heard, because you see it on things like TV and films and where once you get, when you get women together and one of the women says, oh, I don't think I've had an orgasm. The only thing the other girls seem to say is, oh, once you know, you know. But do you have like a, a practical mm. thing to say, right, well, this is what an orgasm is? Should feel like or does feel like
1: no, I think I think that when you know you know is actually the the best way, apart from putting in someone someone in something like a brain scanner, mm. that we do know, and that is in its way frustrating, but it's like we don't kind of you know get like a, a special badge or something in the past <laughs> once we've had we don't get like a certificate to prove yeah. that we've had it. But one of my favorite definitions of orgasm, and I've got it here is someone by a column called Dr. Nan Wise. And she said, an orgasm is a peak experience of incredible pleasure that's usually associated with stimulation of the genitals and buildup of muscle tension, followed by discharge where we have this involuntary contractions of the muscles in the floor of the pelvis. And it's incredibly pleasurable, big brain and body experience. Mm. And so we have this buildup of kind of bodily sensations and peak intensity And that then leaves you with this sense of satisfaction. And we do see that, that part of orgasm is this kind of wave of contractions, muscular contractions in the vagina and in the pelvic Mm. floor. And what some people might feel is that they can feel, and they can kind of also feel that after in the immediate aftermath is that kind of kind of wave of tension, Mm. but it tends to be, you know, people say fireworks or this kind of like wash over their body. Now I've heard people say things like they get their toes curl um, that there's that sense of kind of relief afterwards and we know that the brain has this kind of huge neurochemical boost as well but there's also so many ways that people can experience orgasm and it's not like they're categorized exactly and perfectly and there's these little boxes and it's they all sit mm. in that box but like we can get and we can also get intense pleasure without orgasm when we see that through lots of things like tantric practices
0: what kind of orgasms what were the because there's, there's people say there's like the, the clitoral the penetrative nipple orgasms are they a thing yeah
1: nipple orgasms are definitely a thing i think we're we still have no kind of categorization or exact yeah. number of how many orgasms there are and i think that it's also because so many people experience things in different ways. And we also know that, for example, people that have had injuries in certain areas of their bodies or spinal cord injuries and things can feel really intense mm. pleasure. from Things like having their neck stroked or their ears played with. And we can kind of learn to experience pleasure in our bodies in different mm. ways. And, but nipple orgasm is definitely a thing. There's a big um, oxytocin boost. And we see that in breastfeeding as well. so wow, and again I think that people once you have that association between that feels really good for me yeah then we know that once that starts that we can kind of start to relax into it and really experience it as something enjoyable it
0: does feel like there's a pulling of the plug if you catch my drift like the first time you have one then it's like oh this is it and then it's it's a bit easier after that and I am of course talking about like Mm. I'm I'm more talking about from a uh, cis woman point of A view and the reason why I'm doing that is because if a if a man orgasms there's a you know a little a little ejaculation. ejaculation we can see that he's orgasmed. yeah
1: yeah although some men don't ejaculate when they orgasm it's it tends to be um that the two are combined but mm. it is also possible that they cannot be and we also know that some men have um absent ejaculation or particularly if they've had um certain surgeries or again spinal cord injuries it's a thing but I think that this is another thing that's wrapped up in the narrative of like female sexuality being confusing is we can see when men are aroused, yeah. not necessarily turned on or feeling desire, because those things can be more subjective. And with women, we can't, okay. you know, we, we don't have this immediate indicator. And that stuff does tie into, again, how we think and feel about sex, the more, you know, I'm obviously coming to the stuff from a psychology background so I'm always thinking about the kind of thinking the feelings the 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 processing around it rather than just the medical biological
0: but with that with all the because you're coming from this fantastic point of view and you've also been doing your own podcast the sexual wellness session so has there been Mm. things that you've learned from that that you've taken into your practice or
1: I learned so much every time <laughs> I interview someone like uh, every time I'm like I wish yeah. I could take notes but I have to pay attention to what else I go back and I listen and you know people like Emily Nagoski who she was talking about how her one of the first things that her doctor had said to her when she was given antidepressants was you know this is going to have an impact and she was like but could you frame that in a way which allows me to think okay I might have to do things differently mm. and how can I work around it and actually the benefits of these medications for my mental well-being are so outweighing the impact on orgasm which I can get to another way it just might be a different way and yeah just even thinking about how we're saying those things as professionals to people is really important but for me I've learned so much from all of my guests like they're, you know every episode is a deep dive into a particular topic for a reason and the reason often is I feel like the conversations are happening a lot in the privacy of the therapy room so there must be a need for them to be happening outside of it. Mm. oh god yeah definitely
0: <gasps> yeah it's so fascinating what people are talking about and what they need to talk mm. about compared to what's happening behind closed doors mm. and you've also worked with Lilo tell us about that
1: yeah so I work as the UK sex expert for Lilo because they are creating pleasure products and all of the time kind of trying to help people to get to a better place of sexual wellness to bring pleasure into their lives more and we saw a huge rocket in sex toy sales in lockdown, yeah. unsurprisingly. <laughs> and, um, but I think that a lot of it is, and interestingly, we know the sex toy market is much bigger for women. So it's very interesting when we're having these conversations about orgasm is that the the market targeted at females or vulva owners, clitoris owners, is much, much bigger mm-hmm. than it is for men and it's much more normalized for women to use these kind of products than it is for men and I think a lot of the work that we do is around normalizing the conversation around sex but obviously their pleasure products are helping people to learn about their bodies are helping people to learn how to orgasm are helping couples to bring in something that might mix up their routine or experience different types of pleasure
0: and intima is the the sort of more health side so it's It's a a different products rather than just like, oh, this is what's going to help you with orgasming and just having sexy time. This is like, well, this is what's going to help you with your vagina. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We've got pelvic floor trainers and things like that. And obviously, like the pelvic floor, you know, plays a big part in orgasm.
0: Oh, we love a pelvic floor. We love a (laughs) pelvic floor. Third favourite floor. Always said it.
1: Brilliant floor. (laughs) What are the first two?
0: Yeah. Uh, First and um, penthouse. (laughs) 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 <laughs> what do you think? Okay, I'm going to leave you the last question. What do you think about having a national orgasm day? Do you like it? Is it pressure? Is it we open up about it? What What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, of course I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't think there's any pressure for everyone to go and have an orgasm. A national orgasm day. For me, if it just gets mm. people talking, great. Yeah. Like for me, shame thrives in silence and there's too much of it in our sex lives. and That's a badge, isn't it? I love that.
0: Shame thrives inside. Yes. Yes. Sorry, carry on. So
1: for me, that's the most important thing about it. And even if it's just that people help, it helps people to think about discovering themselves a bit more. Mm -hmm. I always talk about this idea of how actually a lot of our sexual self-discovery happens outside of our bedrooms. It's about thinking about sex or educating ourselves about sex or feeling more empowered or more confident to try something and being more open-minded accepting and I think all of those things are actually a big part of the ingredients of orgasm
0: I love that make it more of a
1: well-rounded experience Ugh. Oh, every time yeah 100
0: very nice if people want to hear some more from you Kate where can they find you
1: So the podcast is The Sexual Wellness Sessions. It's on all the big podcast platforms. Um, My website is my name, Kate Moyle, but it's not really that exciting. (laughs) And my Instagram is at Kate Moyle Therapy. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.
0: My thanks to Kate Moyle for joining me and chatting about all things orgasms. Just goes to show you never can learn enough. If you want to see more from her, then she is working with sexual wellness brand LELO. That's L-E-L-O. And you can find out more at their website. Last week, I asked you to send me your tales of when your orgasms got interrupted. That's right. It's ruined orgasms. Now, this is a bit of a kink to some people, uh, but it's a bit more of a complaint from others, <laughs> as I got from Instagram from Very Berry. They said that the biggest ruiner of their orgasms has been hotel housekeeping. Oh, I hear you on that one. They say I can be alone or with someone, just start or at the most climactic point, but someone will always knock on my door no matter where I'm at. That is where your do not disturb sign comes in. Just start hanging it up, whether you want to be disturbed or not. Hang it up and get into the habit. But I... Yeah, I've had a few orgasms ruined by housekeeping. On Twitter, Raku says there's nothing better than having my cock stamped on just when I'm desperate to come. Mm. If I'm past the point of no return and I'm coming from beneath her heel, then I'm forced to lick it up. You do that. You clean those floors. Uh, And then over on email... Right. This goes back to cookie jarring, I think. So uh, (laughs) and this is from an anonymous, which is email is where we get all our best anonymous stories. Um, And they say I was on a family holiday to Spain. And as a typical horny teenage girl, I spent most of my time with a guy I really fancied who was staying at the same hotel. He said his dad was some kind of footballer. No idea. She hasn't said who it is. Um, But his son was trying to spend as much time away from them as possible, which is where I was happy to help. He kept telling me that we were going to end up together when we got back to England and we were making future plans. Oh, including moving in to get away from his folks. Oh, can we see where this is going? But on the last night, he told me he actually already had a girlfriend. Oh, but he would do me the favour of seeing me occasionally so we could Netflix and chill. Oh, do me a favour. Ah, oh. I may have been wild with hormones and underage sangria, but I knew a fuckboy when I saw him. Still, there was time for one last ride. And just as he was coming, I looked him in the eye and I said, your dad fucked me so much better. Oh, i have never seen a face crumple so much so hard and i really hope i left him with a lifetime of memories and therapy oh yeah i think that's gonna ruin a lot of orgasms there that is herpes to the brain that is not gonna leave you is it uh um <laughs> next week oh my god these are getting worse i love them next week we want to hear from you Tell me all about your tales of bondage gone wrongage. You know the ones, a bit of BDSM. Maybe not. Tell me all about it. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Insta or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk and if you want to hear the ones we love, remember to hit subscribe right now. I've been Miranda Kane. SmutDrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk and if you want me to keep getting wet and messy in your face, then please leave a an- nice review in the meantime i'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week
1: i'm ahead of the game